You're listening to Confident Chaos Podcast with Dr. Tiffany and Lawyer Lisa. Listen as we talk about anything and everything that you know to be your truth. On this week's episode, we're talking about experts. What makes someone an expert in their respective field and what should you be looking out for? And most importantly, how do you gain the trust of your professional? Hey guys, how are you? It's episode number eight. We've missed you for the last couple weeks. I promise Tiffany and I have been thinking about you guys and thinking about subjects to talk about and how everything has been going in these last couple weeks. But the good news is Tiffany and I had a little bit of time to take some vacation and really just kind of chill a little bit and relax, which was nice. It right? was nice. It was like a, an odd little break I hadn't accounted for. It was nice. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was like a man-made vacation. Yes. Al went on a really he nice, amazing road trip. We stressed him out so much he had to take an entire month off. <laughs> and then the funniest part is Tiffany and I just forgot to calculate our weeks. And we thought we were going to be off for one week. And that's why we posted that we were going to be gone for a week. But... Unfortunately, it was two weeks, but we're back, guys, so don't worry. We've got lots of good stuff to talk about today and the following week, but we hope everyone had a really nice time July 4th weekend, and hopefully everybody was safe and just got a chance to relax and cut some not, of the chaos. Not get sunburned. It's, it's literally, it feels like 110 degrees in South Florida, so if you're in South Florida, you understand. If you're not, and I know that you think you might like the heat, it is like sweltering hot outside, sweltering. Yeah, you want to walk around with like ice bags yeah. on your cheeks, yeah. your face cheeks. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. You know, and just... This is the time of the year where all the dehydration comes into the emergency department. Oh, yeah. The yeah. people that are just getting IVs just because yeah. they're dehydrated yeah. and they just refuse to drink water, right? Pretty much. And they're usually like roofers. Like you'd think they know that by now that they should drink like water and Gatorade, but They whatever. don't. And yeah. then they get dehydrated yeah. and end up in the ER. Yes. It's For fun. you to treat. It's fun. Good times. Wow. Anywho. Well, one of the subjects we wanted to bring up today, and I really think it's important right now, considering, you know, what's going on in our country and everything that is happening on the news, if you watch the news and everybody's conflicting opinions on what's going on in this crazy world and this pandemic that we're dealing with, but the topic is about experts. What do you think about that, Tiffany? Well, I, you know, it's funny, when you brought this topic up to me, and, I, and I, if you remember, it's not that long ago, I, I told you, I was like, I'm not gonna tell you what I'm thinking, I'm gonna wait until we start talking yeah, about it. Yeah, you told it. me, I'm like, what is that supposed well, to Well, because here's the thing, if we talk about the world of law versus the world of medicine, it's very different when it comes to the education and being able to say what you do. So for you guys, for instance, you're, most, lawyer, most lawyers aren't quote unquote board certified in something, correct? Correct, yes. So, but you, so your area of specialty that you choose, you chose right. to do that. You have experience in that realm from doing it over a course of time. Well, you should have right? experience. Well, so, but that's how you say that that's what you specialize in, correct? Correct, exactly. So you do family law because that's what you do. And that's, so give me, t- I'm trying to make a point. So give me your background. So you did, you're a prosecutor. Oh yeah. So my background, I started as a prosecutor for four years. And for those of you that don't know what you do as a prosecutor, you basically prosecute crime. And I did everything from traffic tickets all the way up to not first degree, but second degree murders. And you prosecute. So you stand in front of a judge or a jury. Most of the time it's a jury if you go to trial and put your evidence on and the point is to get a conviction and to create punishment for the crime that was committed. Then I went out on my own and I did a little bit of criminal defense because that was my wheelhouse and I was easy. It was easy for me right. to do criminal defense. Well, because you just knew how the other side was thinking. Oh yeah, right, absolutely. Right. The whole concept of devil's advocate right. is 
very <laughs> interesting when you go from prosecution to defense. But then I decided I wanted to get into family law and I took a bunch of courses, trained myself, and I started watching other people's trials and started watching domestic violence trials and things like that and basically became, I'm not a board certified expert, so I can't say I'm an expert in family law, but my expertise is in the area of family law and that's all I practice right now. My entire practice is family law. So here's what's interesting to me. With my other lawyer friends, they had no idea. So, and I didn't, and I kind of assume this with law, but I think that lawyers assume that medicine's the same way. So when you're in law school, for instance, you have core curriculum that you have to do, but then you start being able to choose classes, correct? Second and third year, yes. Okay. That does not, that is not applicable at all in medical school. Oh, really? So in medical school, your first and second, and this is across the board, and I am unsure, I'm un, I, I do not know about any other schools that, that don't do it this way. Mm-hmm. First and second year medical school is core curriculum. So you're not choosing. You are in the classroom with everybody else in your medical school, period, end of story. You don't get to choose anything. You learn everything. You learn all everything. Subjects. Yes. Third year medical school is core rotations, meaning that you have to do, you know, two months of family practice, you have to do two months of OBGYN, you have to do two months of internal medicine, so on and so forth. So you get exposure to everything. Rotation meaning in the hospital? In the hospital, yes. Now, there's certain rotations that you don't, that most of the time is not a core requirement, like for instance, dermatology, not a core requirement, anesthesia, not a core requirement. And then, so your fourth year, your fourth year electives. So then you mm-hmm. can start choosing, okay, I think I want to be an anesthesiologist. I'll do a rotation in anesthesia. Oh, I think I want to do, you know, but you have core rotations. So it's interesting. What inter- year is that? The fourth, fourth year? year? The last year. Okay. Okay. So it's interesting because in the world of law, you kind of get to pick and choose what you're doing. That unequi- and that's, that's, this is important because when I start talking about expert stuff, this is very important, okay? Sure. Every physician that is practicing in the United States has had experience with any core medical rotation there is medicine, surgery, OB, pediatrics, they have had at least usually two months of that core rotation. So I had to deliver babies. I had to operate. I had to do everything. And I'm not even close to doing that now. But I have the knowledge base in order to be able to know if what someone else is doing seems right. Got it. I understand. Okay? So it's, what, what's interesting to me when we talk about experts is for medicine, for at least the state of Florida law, probably on all states, in order to say that you're an expert, you have to be board certified in I that understand. area. Okay, so I am an expert in cardiology. I have to be board certified in cardiology. I cannot market myself as a cardiologist. With, now, now, to say the specialty, if I say I am um, I'm an interventional cardiologist, but I'm not, right? I have to have completed fellowship training in interventional cardiology. But to say I'm an expert, I have to be board certified in it. So I'm allowed to say I'm a cardiologist because I completed three years of fellowship in cardiology. And I can say I'm an expert in cardiology because I'm board certified in cardiology. So an extra license on top of your actual medical license. It's a, it's a, it's a board certification. It's not a license. Licensing is different. And, I'll, and I'll get, I think it's interesting. I don't think a lot of people know how this works. No, and it's different than law. It's, Definitely. To, it's, to, it's totally different than law. So I, most, most hospitals, you can't even get privileges in your specialty unless you're board eligible, which means you completed the fellowship. And then within two years, you have to become board certified or they will not give you privileges. Oh, so your board certification exam has to be right within two years after you finish yes. that fellowship? Yes. Probably because it's... It's it fresh. To, yeah, and it has to do with liability. I mean, you're a liability if you're not board certified. Got it. So it's, it's very interesting because what happens in the world of medicine is you've got family practitioners. And this, I'm not, I, I, I can already hear the complaints now, and I'm not meaning it that way. But if you're a family practitioner and you're board certified in family medicine, 
that's what your expertise is, is in family medicine. I am not board certified in family medicine. I do not take care of kids. And what does family medicine and mean? It's a three-year residency of kind of like what you would assume, you know, your general doctor is. They take care of adults and children. That's a, that's a family practitioner. An internist only deals, it's a little bit more of the, the depth of knowledge of, of adult medicine. And then pediatrics is obviously just children. Kids, right. But, you know, what happens is you've got family practitioners who are like, oh, I do cause I'm a cosmetic dermatologist because they give Botox and fillers. OK, you that that is like not rep- to kids, though. No, not. To, right. But that's a reportable offense to the, to the state of Florida Medical Board to say that you're a cosmetic dermatologist when you did not complete fellowship. In oh, dermatology, I understand. You right? had no experience in that besides your core four year curriculum in medical school. Correct. Correct. Right. And so that's that's where my my like I have a major problem where it's like if you're going to be a family practice doctor doing Botox, by all means, I used to do Botox, too. But I didn't say I was a dermatologist or I specialized in cosmetic dermatology. No, because you did. I was an internist who did Botox. Right. Right. Core difference. So it's like I feel like people sometimes doctors market themselves to make themselves more marketable. And make right? more money. And it's make all more about money. money, right? But it's like, dude, just go to, if that's what you want to do, then you need to go to do, do dermatology residency. And get the background and the fellowship Correct. and get the board certification yes. for that area if that's what you want to actually yes. practice. Yes. Yes. But what does the average patient think about that? I'm curious about I don't that. think they know, honestly. I really honestly don't think that they know. Well, that kind of brings up um, something that I remember, and it's different than obviously a medical doctor because I know a dentist is not a medical doctor. However... You go in to get your dental cleaning. This happened to me a couple months ago before COVID and everybody shut down. Getting a routine cleaning and I look at the front door and the dentist is now doing Botox oh, yeah. and fillers oh, and yeah. you know lip injections and all kinds of other issues with your face. I'm like, I thought you worked on teeth. Yeah, that's. I know it's the same head, you know, but come on, it doesn't point. make sense. I, I know somebody personally who is a is a dentist and does a lot of cosmetic dentistry and a lot of cosmetic work and I will say she's a very good injector she does very good Botox work she does very good fillers but I agree with you I mean part of me it's it's I just feel like you're am I going to a dentist though to get Botox yeah you're like, or am you're, I going a, to like a, a dermatologist? little bit outside of the armamentarium of knowledge I guess but you know they take I don't know that's a tough one that's and a, then they charge a lot of money really for, it for me it's just uh, but these people obviously are not marketing themselves as a cosmetic dermatologist they're they, they're saying that they're a dentist that happens to do Botox uh, I have some of them market well both. then that's a problem that's that's a and, and that's problem. what I, I don't have a problem with people doing it. I have zero problem with people doing it. I have a problem with you saying that you're someone that you're not. Oh, yes. And then that, which leads Talk me to Talk about my, that in a minute. Which leads me to my next point of what we would call physician extenders. I don't know what they like to be called now, but there's like physician extenders. There's what we call mid-level providers. So these are your nurse practitioners and your physician's assistants. Okay. Okay. So they're Again. right below the doctor. Yes. Above a nurse. Yes. On the level of education. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I mean, it depends on how you look at, so- Physician's assistants go through usually four years of college and then physician assistant school. Nurse practitioners have to be nurses first. Right. Typically, I think, have some form of nursing training, post-nurse training, and then, I, you know, and then they go to nurse practitioner school, and now they have doctor of nurse practitioner, so now a lot of them want to be called doctor. That's a whole other realm of, a, like, A yeah. nurse practitioner wants to be called a doctor. Yeah, because they have a DNP, which is a doctor of nurse practitioner, which, again, I don't have a problem with it, but I feel like that can confuse patients because they don't know if they're a medical doctor or nurse practitioner oh, doctor. that would confuse me. It's very confusing. I would not like that. Again, this is by no means meant to be a bash session because I want everyone to be as successful as they want to be and make the money they want to do and make the differences in the world that they want to make. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you need to be very forthcoming with what you do and how you got your degree. But I agree. my my point, my finally getting to my point on this. My point it's is It's okay, I keep interrupting you. Is 
is, you know, as a physician, I'm a, I'm a board certified cardiologist. I cannot go right now and say, I'm going to go do dermatology, right? I can't. I mean, if I want to do that, I have to go to dermatology residency, do a three year, three year, three or four, I think it's four years for derm, three or four year residency. And then now I can say I'm a dermatologist. Whereas a nurse practitioner PA can jump specialties like they change underwear. Oh, really? Yes. And that's yes. allowed. Yes. And that's my problem with the way this whole system works. What's the major problem with it? Because how do you have the knowledge base to jump from infectious disease to dermatology to something else to something else without having to have the, the training and experience the first? So my, my problem with it is the following. What really bothers me the most is when the subspecialty physicians, I'll use myself as an example. Let's say I have, a, and I used to have a PA. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the ability of jumping around from specialty to special. It bothers me. I get it. So I used to have a PA and the only reason I don't have her anymore is just frankly, like I just, I'm very particular about the way I like things done. And it was just easier for me just to do it myself. It had nothing to do with her not being a good physician's assistant, but I can relate to that in my office. Yeah. Too. I mean, but the, so the problem is, is, you know, you have someone coming in to see a cardiologist and on their very first visit, they're seeing the PA. That's unacceptable. If a patient's coming to see a cardiologist, coming to see a subspecialist Correct. of another doctor. So it's like you went to your internist, your internist didn't know the answer. So now you have to come to the cardiologist and you're going to see the PA. No. Who oh, might've no. been in an infectious disease office two weeks ago. Oh no. That no, no, is no, what no. I have. A pro- I have a problem with my colleagues. You in, inappropriately utilizing mid-level providers. That's what I have a problem. That with. would drive me crazy too. Yeah. And as a patient, you probably don't even know you're thinking you're going in to see Correct. the doctor Correct. and the person that comes out to actually do your visit and your consultation and review everything with you is a physician's assistant, which is okay. If I knew about it in advance. And that happens a lot where you don't know about it in advance. And so now by the time you find out about it, this, the, the, the extender or nurse practitioner PA walks in the room, what are you going to do? Say, I don't want to see I'm leaving? I mean, most, most people don't do that. It took them a month to get the appointment anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I would because that's just me. Yeah. But I'm not the average person. So it's, you know, I think it's difficult. And it's, and it's this, there's a lot going on in the medical world right now about this. But since we're talking about experts, that's what I have a problem with. I feel like everybody needs to know that we all need each other, but we all also need to know our role. And there's a very distinct role that each of us have within the medical community, a very distinct role. I also think that it ties a lot of respect to each and individual specialty. Because if I'm just putting myself in your shoes for a minute, I'll talk about law in a moment. But if I'm a doctor and I specialize in cardiology, that's what my patients should be expecting and receiving as treatment. And I would want other doctors to refer me their patients that have that issue as well. I'm not going to go into a cardiologist office and start talking about how I've got lower back issues and I need to see an orthopedic surgeon. You're going to kick me right out of your office, right? Well, and, and that happens all the, listen, that happens almost on a daily basis. Oh, well, you know, can you address this and that? And I say, listen, I, I can't. That's not my area of expertise. That's not what I do. I have opinions as it probably what it is, but that's not my area of expertise. And you should go see so on so forth. So you refer yeah, to but, someone else, another know, colleague again, that I can handle that. What happens when doctors start talking about this? And, you know, I think a lot of times the mid-levels or however, you know, they want to be called, the PAs, nurse practitioners, they get offended. And that's not my, my intent is not to inf- offend people. My intent is to kind of say, put yourself in the perspective of the patient, right? Sure. And, and, you know, if you were a patient, would you want to see the cardiologist who went through, you know, four years of medical school, three years of internal medicine, and three years of cardiology training? Or do you want to see, 
you know, the nurse practitioner who's maybe did infectious disease for two years and shattered a cardiologist for three months. I mean, honestly, if you honestly put yourself in those shoes on your first visit, not your your follow-up blood pressure visit, your follow-up lipids, your initial, but your initial visit, when you have a sincere concern or you are referred by another physician, the honest answer is, and I think if people really looked in, into themselves, the honest answer is no. I'd, I'd want to see the doctor. And I'm not, listen, I've but had. Doctors don't usually do that sometimes, right? No. They're not putting themselves in the shoes of a patient and what would the patient Correct. want to experience in that issue. And I have to tell issue. you, I know a doctor, nurse practitioner, a man, uh, a male in, in our area who is phenomenal. Phen- I mean, phenomenal. The guy right. is a brain. But you know what I love about him is he knows what he knows and he knows what he doesn't know. And that's what I love about him. Because he'll be the first person to pick up the phone and admit that he doesn't know something. And that's why he's, honestly, I think that's why he's so good. Because well, he's excellent probably. at what he does, but he knows what he doesn't know also. Well, I always refer to people as stay in your lane. Whatever you do, stay in your lane. And whatever your lane is, be as good as you can be in your own lane. It comes up with law all the time. I, I shared with you a couple days ago, and it happened again today. You know, the biggest part of my practice is divorce cases. So obviously there's ancillary issues that come up when you're dealing with a divorce. You're going through the divorce, but you might have property that needs to be divided that might not be named as the husband or wife's property, or you want to redo your estate planning, or you want to create a new trust, or maybe you're receiving a bunch of money and you want to invest the money, you know, in something for the future. And clients ask all the time, oh, well, can you just redraft these deeds for me? Can you redo my estate planning? And they actually, I would say a majority of them, Tiffany, expect me to do it. And there are so many lawyers out there. They look at it. That's extra money. I don't know how to do it, but I'll go ahead and do but, it. And I don't do that. I, which is good because I'll tell you, I see a lot of like <laughs> a friend of mine's a lawyer and he's like, oh, I started doing MedMal. I'm like, what the hell do you know about MedMal? Med You're like a PI lawyer. Like, oh, what do wow. you know about MedMal? And it's just funny because it's like, oh, I'm just going to start learning. It's they like, know nothing. Why don't, but it's like, dude, that's cool if you want to do that. But can you like go take a course and go right. do, you know, like, I don't know, to learn. Just start taking any get case. Get some that, experience well, in d- that. But don't a lot of lawyers take cases and then they can, they refer out and then they get like a referral fee, right? Yes. So that's pretty common and it's allowed by the, you know, by the totally not allowed ethical rules of the bar. They do allow it. Um, it's not called, you know, referral fees anymore, but it's basically a participation fee. So, for instance, and not to like get a into... trophy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like with kids. No, not exactly, Tiffany. Um, but there's... Uh, people have opinions about that all the time. Like, is it okay? Should it be doing it? The point of the ethics rule is the client has to consent to it. So, for instance, if I'm going to share fees with a PI lawyer because I refer my divorce client to a PI lawyer, the client has to be aware of it and sign up for that. Basically know where the money's going and how it's being divided. Understood. Most people won't do that. Like the client has to sign some sort of consent or have some written agreement really? that says they know they're, they're sharing fees. A lot of lawyers don't want to do that. They don't want to tell the client. But that's where the violation comes. But sure. I mean, we refer cases all the time to other colleagues in that area. That's why it's frustrating from a lawyer's perspective because the answer is I'm not going, I am not going to take your case from a different area of the law that I don't have the knowledge and experience to handle. Why? Because I'm not going to help you, number one. I'm not interested in just charging you money that I can't handle. But at the end of the day, I want you to get the help that you deserve from someone that knows that area of the law. Yeah, we unequivocally are not allowed to do that in medicine. It's a, it's a, it's called a Stark violation. We cannot get referral fee. Like we cannot. Oh, really? No. No, no, no. You'll get your license taken away. You, uh, you cannot, you cannot, 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 cannot. The only time you can do that is if like. It's okay for lawyers, but not doctors. That's an interesting question. I've always wondered that too. Like for instance, if I refer a patient to see my husband in my office, we're within the same four walls of our office. It's understood that we're cost sharing 
because right. we're in the same office. So sure. in that case, it's allowed. But if I refer, let's but say you I ref- also have the same company name. You work under the same business. Yeah, name, but we right? bill under different names. Oh, so, so it's, it's different. But okay. like if I refer to like, let's say I, I go, oh, go to this, go to this imaging center over here, and I, you know, I refer them there, but I have financial interest in that in that. In, uh, imaging center that's sure. a major 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 problem so it's for not instance, allowed. if you were sending all of your all of your patients to one particular lab to get all their blood work and you were getting some participation or referral fee from I'll the lab that would be yeah. a violation yes yeah wow yeah interesting. It's, it's we have it's funny you guys have very weird rules like i've learned some of your bar rules and they're weird so rules? they're so strange like the way you have to advertise on tv and stuff like that oh the marketing rules yeah. are absolutely ridiculous ours are ours aren't weird like that but then we have very like our ethical rule you would think that the bar would have but our ethical oh, yeah. rules are like out of this world like out of this world when it comes to finances out of this world well at the end of the day i really feel like you should put yourselves in the shoes of the Car- client it. or the patient and that's say it. what would i want to know how is my money being spent it's not that are hard. you helping me yes or no and if you can't help me are you sending me somewhere where i can get help yes that's the biggest problem that i see with my clients because i'm telling them Yes, I probably could do that, but you need to go see a probate attorney because that's a person that's going to be able to right. resolve your case the quickest, the most efficiently, and cost you the least amount of money and the least amount of heartache. Right. But you don't go to a lawyer that's handling your family law case and basically you want me to build your house too? I mean, what else do you want me to do? And what about the lawyers? I always laugh about this, and some of my clients and I laugh about it recently considering a lot of people have no jobs, but then you get the lawyers that practice every single I don't get it area of the law and some of them post it on their building though like how many letters are you going to put up there with words of how many did you just open up like black black's law dictionary and pick all these lawyer words stick it on the wall of your building what is the point of that like what actually do you practice that's my question i I mean look i'll give you an example i i got called to be an expert in a case not that long ago and um you know, he was kind of talking to me about it and I was telling him on the phone already, I don't think you've got a case. These are the reasons why I don't think you have a case. These are the reasons why. And then he gave me the name. It was in Florida. Okay. He gives me the name of the, the hospital district. And I say, this case isn't really, honestly, first of all, it's not a good case from like from a medical legal standpoint. It's not a good case. There was no, stupid, anyway. the doctor was not negligent. Thank you. There was no medical negligence. There Thank you. you. Okay. Yes. It was not outside standard of care. There we go. It's coming there back you now. go. Why didn't you all go right. to law school? I'm oh, confused. Uh, I feel like I have at this point. So the, I swear, I, I swear I could be a med mal lawyer at this point. I'd do so much of this freaking work. You'd probably be so good at it. I'm telling the lawyer, I said, there's, there, there's no, um, stat, um, there was no, um, what did we just say? Medical negligence. Thank you. There was no, no breach of the standard care. I swear care. to God, I cannot think today. <laughs> no breach no of the standard No medical negligence and no yes. breach of the standard Thank level you. of care. Thank you. Wow. It's been a day. I'll anyway, so I swear words. I said that. So I tell him that and I said, that's, that's number one. Okay. That's why you don't have a case, but probably more importantly for you, because honestly, most lawyers don't take cases if there's no M-O-N-E-Y involved. Oh yeah. Right? Everybody's so all I about said, the Benjamins. I said, forget, setting that aside for a second, this is a sovereign hospital district. And oh. he's like. It is? I'm like, yes, you're not going to get more than $250,000 out of them. And that's, that's assuming that the person died or like has no limbs or is a quadriplegic. And that there's medical negligence. And, the, and that's assuming that there's negligence, which there's not. So I'm telling you right now. And he was, I think he's bordered in, in, in medical malpractice. I'm like, how do you not know this? I know this. The attorney you were yes. telling this to? Yes. And he's like, 
it is a sovereign district. I'm like, yes, that's a sovereign hospital district. You're not going to get any money out of them. Wow. So he's like, I still want to pay you to review the case. And I'm sitting here like, are you kidding me? Wow. I told you for free on the phone. It's not a case. He's like, I still want. I'm like, okay, I'll take your money. Wow. Because I, I, you're telling them you're making a really ridiculous yes, because decision. Because I usually do my first initial little call over the phone. They, they like ballpark me what's going on. Right. And I say, listen, like I, based on what you're telling me, if you're basically reading me the medical records, I'm telling you, you don't have a case, right? That's Not your work as a medical expert. Care. There we go. That's your work as a medical expert, yes. right? Yes. So it's the same as a consultation fee, which sometimes I charge. I do 30 minutes free of a consultation and then I'll charge after that because I mean, people ask 9 million thousand Yeah. Questions. The reason I don't really charge for it right off the bat is it's just, it's so easy for me to make a call usually but um once they start getting you know once i actually once they retain me then i usually add that on right um but yeah standard of care there we go uh so you know i get a lot of those i do a lot of expert work for that for standard of care and they hire me why because i am an expert you're an expert because i'm board certified in internal medicine and cardiology so you can testify about that correct so right now i'm in a case where it was an it was a nurse practitioner who was working under an internist who missed a heart attack on an ekg so they hired me for both because they need an expert in cardiology and an expert in internal medicine so they got a twofer ding 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 two for one yes that's pretty cool so, but I don't think people realize that, you know, they, they go in and they just, and you know, I guess to give people some credit, cause I think that's important. Some people just don't know and they need a doctor or a lawyer or somebody to tell them, listen, this is not within this area of, of medicine, or this is not within this area of the law. This is the person you need to see. Rarely will I just send somebody, Oh, go find someone. I'll say, this is the issue. These are some people I can recommend that will be able to help that's you. That's you being a responsible Call lawyer, them. but you're doing the best thing for the client. Well, some that's, clients don't realize that up front, but at the end of the day, that's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, and it's the right thing to do. I mean, just like, you know, I, it, look, it, it's the same. It was kind of like with this case I'm reviewing. It's, you know, when you either know how to read the EKG or you don't, you know? And <laughs> there if, you go. And, and when, you, when you don't know how to read it and you miss the heart attack and the guy dies, you got a problem. You have a big problem. A big problem. Yes. And that's, that's when the big guns like me kind of have to get rolled in to, you know, to, handle so, it to sort and, everything out. And to help people understand. But I also think it's important just to... Not so much for advertising purposes, because obviously we talked about, um, you know, appearance is reality in a couple of of our episodes and the way you present yourself, you're judged, you know, one way or the other. And even when you're talking about from a professional standpoint, the way you market yourself, you're judged as well. So you have to be careful, I think, how you're actually marketing yourself, what you are pretending to be doing and what you're actually doing. Well, and, you know, it's funny, I joke with my friends. I said, either you have a good website or don't have one at all. Oh, (laughs) That's a really good point. Because honestly, because that if I is click a very on something and it's like you look like you did the website, not going. No. Not happening, not going. Like if you did it on like a like some blog thing at like ten o'clock at night and you pop that shit up the next morning, I'm not interested. Wow, that brings up a whole area. But it's true, right? Of topics. Like I just feel like it's better not to, to have one to at all. Like or market yourself on Facebook if you need to do that. That's better than having a bad website. Honestly. Wow, you know, <laughs> websites are a whole big issue and I, I see some very poor websites for attorneys half the time the people that are on the website that are photographed they don't even look like that in real life you physically meet the lawyer and you look at the website who is this person <laughs> it is not the same individual and I was joking with one of my lawyer Al knows. friends he does all that photoshop you know yeah a uh-huh, little bit of that uh-huh. you know you want to look pretty on your website I get it you know you want to put a little bit of extra makeup on wear a really nice outfit super important kudos to you however however 
The client that doesn't know who the lawyer is when they walk into the office because the website doesn't match? Come on. Is that false advertising? What is that? Well, I, I, is it false advertising? <laughs> false advertising Te technically not for the sake of the ethical bar yes, issues but but i just i don't know i i don't i don't understand that i mean it's obviously a whole area for photographers you know and a big area for business but i don't understand that i was laughing with my friend the other day you know we were saying what if you like if you do the website at night and it's you got some really good content and then you post it you know how many times do we post things or email or send messages late in the evening that maybe we shouldn't really send and then the next day it's published and you look going to www dot whatever the lawyer and you're like what is this is this the person i'm gonna hire what have they done on their website but it's expensive you know i i redid very, my website yeah. about i think four or five years ago i have to check with my husband because he actually helped me um pick the people that were going to design it and you have to update it you know you can't just leave it there because there's changes in the law there's changes that happen all the time if you get a new office or whatever you got to update it and keep it keep it informative and you know, how many websites do you go to that just don't tell you what you need to see or it's the wrong lawyer or i don't know i don't know it doesn't just, look like, like the person you hire it's just a marketing thing for me i feel like you either either do it right or just don't do it at all honestly and pay just, the money and get it done right or do it yourself if you can do it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like save and because, you know, you're, you're going to gain a lot of business if it's done right, but you might lose business if it's done wrong. So it's best just, that's my opinion. I think it's best just not to do it at all if it's not done right. Websites was, are important though. I mean, yeah. that, Google is the way to find yes. anything these days, whether it's, you know, ordering a snow cone food truck for your kid's party or hiring a lawyer for your medical malpractice case or hiring a lawyer for your divorce case. It's just important, you know, put uh, on the website what you really want. I'm just going to go back to, to law school. It's going to say D.O., J.D. I'm going to do it all. You're going to put every Screw letter. It. You're going to be, you're going to be that. I would, I, actually, you know, it's funny. I would never. You every know why? abbreviation after your name that's I, possible. I, I think I do as much not even being a lawyer. Like, there's no point in even me going to law school because, I mean, it's like I do it just as much as the lawyers anyways, and I don't have to do the bullshit paperwork associated with it. So Yeah, or have a law degree. Yeah. What's, what's the point? Do I don't even have to have the loans. Makes sense. No, <laughs> I, I think it makes sense. Anyway, well, we hope you guys learned a little bit today. We always find it important to share what goes on in our professional lives as well as our personal lives. We've shared a lot of stories about our personal lives, which you'll hear more about in the next couple episodes. But we also try to give a little bit of information. Well, I, th I think people just need to, you know, don't 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 be scared of taking the extra five minutes and doing a little research and making sure that you know, the doctor, the lawyer, the contractor, whoever it is that you're hiring. Tutor is, for your kids. Yeah, is, is qualified to help you in whatever manner it is that you need help in. Because, and with that being said, just as a little aside too, just a little, you know, um, if, if you are not comfortable with whoever it is, it doesn't matter how great someone's qualifications are, they're not the person for you. Right. I agree. Like you have to be able to communicate with them, talk with them, make make sure you're getting your point across. You have to feel comfortable. You have to trust them. You have to. Tr exactly. That's it. You have to trust them. And I tell that to my patients all the time. Like you might like me and I might like you. But at the end of the day, if you're not going to listen to what I have to say and you don't trust me, you need to find another doctor because this is not going to work. So and I, think I that's feel it. like that message right there, we should record you <laughs> for your patients, me for my potential clients and just hit play when that comes up because it's so important. It comes up in almost every day of my practice. That yeah. issue comes up. And I tell people the same thing because they need to know if you're not comfortable, find someone you're comfortable. But, with. I, but I, I discharge people for my office. Like if I'm trying to tell you what you need to do to save your life and you're point blank looking me in the face and saying, I'm not going to do that. I don't agree with you. And then you want me to keep being your doctor. Oh no, Goodbye. no, no, no. No. Goodbye. No. Yeah, because if something happens, your in death trouble. is not going to be on my shoulders. No, 
No. I don't, it's one thing to maybe disagree and, you know, I document maybe it's just something simple, a medicine. But if I'm straight point blank telling you if you don't do X, Y, and Z, something very bad is going to happen to you. And you're and like, they tell you no. No. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the business of having people die. That's not my business. Oh, I'm gosh. in the business of keeping people alive. I hope That's not. why I can't watch UFC fights. We talked about this, Al. I can't watch it because I can't watch people get hurt. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, why would you want to watch someone, like, have their face have the shit beaten apart. out of them and, like, blood and gut? I see, I can, like, watch surgeries and I can watch movies when I know it's not real, but real people getting the shit beaten out, I can't watch it. Voluntary. I, I cannot. That's a voluntary position it's and they're like, getting paid to do that, too. I can't do it. I don't get I it I can't either. do it. Blech. I can't. <laughs> but I can watch some, like, badass shows with people getting their brains blown out because I know it's not real. But, like, real life, I can't do it. Mm-mm. We'll have to talk about anyway, TV shows. Recap. Make sure someone's really an expert. It, and if they're not, just make sure that you know that they're not. Make sure you always know what you're getting for your money. Know what you're getting for your time. Trust them. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Okay. Me too. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Stay healthy. And stay grounded. <laughs> <laughs>